Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, uh, whichever may be catching you this happy hump day. And welcome back to the Clerics Wear Ringmail podcast. This, my second episode in a series, a mini series, regarding horror in your home game. Hey there, cleric. It's Joe here. Yeah, I don't think it's it's fair to say because a movie can scare somebody that an RPG can too. A movie has dozens of people working on it for months or years, spending tens of thousands, if not millions, of dollars to make it scary. Yeah, so I I don't. Yeah, those two aren't apples to apples, not even close. But. You know, I think it's awesome that you scared that player the one time, but the fact that you've told that story so many times and it's such an awesome story, and it is, that sort of proves that it's the exception to the rule. It doesn't really happen much, and I'd say it has a heck of a lot more to do with that player's mindset than it does with anything a referee can do, because like you said, if a player doesn't want to be scared, isn't ready to be scared, they're not going to be scared. There's nothing a dungeon master can do to scare them, so the fact that that player was like that, that's awesome for you, man. You got lucky there. Good stuff. Peace out. I absolutely did. That is, get lucky. The comic shop back in my college town where all this went down, hands down, the best comic shop I've been to. I met some of my favorite people there, and I guess because college town hobby shop, I had a constant stream of new players to try out and import back into my home game if they worked out. In terms of apples to apples, you are right. It's kind of apples to loquats, really. But those both grow on trees. Those both have a juicy meat under an edible but largely tasteless skin. And they both have sections of fiber in them that you're best to avoid unless you're coming off a cheese week 2021. The sensation of fear is caused by signals from the amygdala, threat signals, which activate hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, in the sympathetic nerve system, which elevate heart rate, dilate pupils in the bronchi, and redirect blood flow away from your organs and into your skeletal muscles. This is the same amygdala. These are the same chemicals that get activated if we are in the middle of a car accident, if we are in a multi-billion dollar blockbuster horror movie, if we are in a five dollar haunted house come Halloween, or if we are sitting in a particularly well-suited basement. That's the reason also, I think, that you're right about players. I can turn down the lights. I can make the room a bit cooler than the other rooms in the house. I can put eerie music on in the background just above the range of hearing. But it's not every player who's willing to be scared. And it's not every player who's going to get immersed enough to scare. And even when the stars are aligning, it's not easy to pull off. For me, I'd pulled it off once or twice in that campaign with a couple of the players. And I want to say I was pretty good at it. Uh, That group was good for immersion. But the nature of the games that I run tend not to be conducive to it. This was probably the only horror game I ran for that group out of the five, six years that we were playing together. I prefer to run sandboxes, 
swords and treasure, not much room for horror when you're busy being Conan leaping off the serpent tower, what with not wanting to live forever. So, to that end, is it possible? Yes. Is it the exception to the rule? Also yes, and a very difficult exception at that. However, it is possible, and when you do pull it off, there's very little else like it. For those of you who live outside the state of Florida and are scratching your head about what a loquat is, don't worry. It's a small relative of the plum that grows in humid subtropical climates that I have literally never seen in a grocery store. You can buy a loquat tree, no problem. I have seen those at the fresh market. But fruit? Better keep that tree watered because you're going to have to wait. I use it to compare it to the apple because the apple is ubiquitous, commercially grown of in a dozen varieties, and that might be a fun segment. Are there local foods that you grew up with that you physically can't get anywhere else, like the loquat, or going up the coast to the Carolina Low Country, the marsh hen? And do you put those in your games to make localities more interesting? But I'm getting off script. Thank you, Joe, for the call-in, and that was, of course, Joe Richter of the Hind Sightless Podcast and the Wheel or Woe Actual Play, lending some insight. Hey, Jason here. Just want to say that as far as horror and games go, I think shock and repulsion are the best things because I I don't know that you're really going to scare most players, but I think you can unsettle them. And A, unsettle them during the game maybe, but B, you can give them crazy crap and unsettling stuff that when they think back on the game afterwards are like, you know, make them shake. And, And I think that's what's most effective. You can have shock horror in movies, but the most effective movies are those that you think back on a day or two or three days later, you lay awake after that night after you watch it, thinking how messed up the movie is. And so I think shock and repulsion work there. I won't bore you with stories the two times I think that's been done effectively in games that I was in. Maybe I'll talk about it on my cast sometime. But looking forward to part two. And don't let old Joe Richter get you down, my friend. Hang in there. All contraire, Jason. Please do bore me. I would listen to a series of call-ins or a Nerds Variety podcast episode with that stuff in it in a heartbeat. Regarding repulsion, you and I are of a like mind, it would seem. So from here, I will go ahead and play the audio I put together for Revulsion on my commute home. And per Joe, thank you for the encouragement. I hear that he's a decent fella and may actually compliment me one of these days, too. Revulsion. Revulsion is the most common theme in cinema, I would say, outside of shock. The most common thing that you get from, quote, scary movies, unquote, are jump scares. Things that come out and go boo, cause you to bounce in your seat. While I maintain that is not horror, that is taking advantage of a startle reflex, Revulsion is where we get our body horror from. Revulsion is watching the 1980s rendition of The Thing, where the creature breaks out of the form it's in. We see the distortion of the human form, and we are off-put by both the violence of it and also the mutilation, the understanding that 
that arm is not where it's supposed to be. That appendage is not where it's supposed to be. This is common in a lot of horror adventure modules written for Lamentations. That is not to claim that Lamentations is a horror setting, but I think that it goes without saying that the art and the adventures are often geared towards the mutilation of the character tying in or attempting to tie in, depending on which module we're talking about, to the fundamental revulsion response. Does, however, revulsion need to stem from the grotesque? I would argue no. And I would further argue that an appeal to the corporeal is stunted in its effectiveness in a game, frequently because of the detachment that a player is going to have for the character. I may say the interrogator breaks your thumb, but the player's thumb is perfectly fine. It's up to them to interpret that sensation, to act on that sensation, to immerse themselves in the situation. As such, the more effective mechanism is to find something more psychological. Find something within your player's psyche that is core to them and defy it. Make of your encounter something that runs contrary to their perception of what should be. Merriam-Webster defines revulsion to be a strong pulling or drawing away, a withdrawal or a sudden or strong reaction to change and a sense of distaste or repugnance. While the connotation for revulsion is commonly the grotesque, the nauseating, in order to inspire the base sensation, you merely need to create something from which the characters pull away, something which, like the same end of a magnet, pushes them that acts as impetus for them to leave its vicinity, to depart from it and to excise themselves from its influence. To speak to experience, I'm reminded of a module that a roommate of mine ran once at a local gaming shop. The theme of the module was an encounter with a Wendigo somewhere deep in the frozen wood. Although I'm not 100% on how the Wendigo rules work, I don't have my monster book with me, the onset of the monster occurs in the form of an NPC encounter wherein the NPC is possessed or taken control of by the Wendigo. Our party had encountered this character who had gone into fits of gibbering insanity. We tied him down and tried to talk sense into it, culminating at one point with the monk in the party striking the character. Upon striking, the non-player character faded. They shifted into the chair backwards as though gravity was pulling them down and the resistance of the wood offered little more than putty against its natural flow. The, the bonds that we used to bind it fell apart and the body disseminated as though entirely transitioned from the physical into the spirit. Note, while this example may not be the classic body horror centered around disfigurement or mutilation, it presents to the players something that is atypical. It is a result that does not coincide with the expected outcome, that is outside the natural process of the body, 
and therefore I use it as the example. That said, there was a brief pause, and the monk player immediately commented, I just punched this guy into the next dimension. We had a laugh about it, and he would refer to it, flexing a bit, into the session. This ties into the trope, not the story trope, but the gaming trope, that your players will always take something that was meant to be serious and turn it into a comedy. In so doing, by enjoying the experience through laughter, the situation was diffused and the event was almost forgotten. In this sense, the body horror, or pseudo-body horror, was diffused by player interaction. As the adventure progressed, each member of the party ended up taking some form of wisdom drain, and the referee kept it largely secret by passing notes, by passing text messages covertly through all manner of subtle cues to the player. No two members of the party, that is, no two players sitting at the table, were able to tell what was actually affecting the character sheet of their party fellows. Role-playing and to their credit, we had some top-notch role players in this session. The role-playing reflected this loss of the wisdom stat and reflected a disconnection from sanity. From the referee, there were voices in the woods, there were shadows on the wall, there were things that each character was given that they saw, believed, that other party members might not have seen. The ref called for spot checks or listen checks, the results of which didn't matter, but the players didn't know that. We simply followed instruction, so we didn't know whether the other players were actually seeing threats, if threats existed, and if those threats, true or imagined, were parallel to the threats perceived by the party. This built up a tension. This built up a repulsive force within the party. It broke the trust of the group, and in so doing, tied into the psychological horror that the original Thing film was founded on. The breaking of bonds, the breaking of fellowship, the violation of the assumption that your allies can be trusted. My memories of that adventure are fond ones. At the time, I distinctly remember being ill at ease at the table I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand what the other players were doing. Surely, based on their reactions and their facial expressions, knowing that my friends were comic book nerds and not actors, some of them were feeling my same discomfort, while others were reveling in the opportunity to play someone having gone insane. Kudos to our halfling, who was doing well enough that our de facto party lead, a fighter barbarian type, actually grappled him, tied him up, and we carried him over our shoulder for a forced march through the snow. To conclude, while it is possible to create player revulsion by describing scenes that violate the player's sensibilities, or by using sound effects or music that stimulate the desired atmosphere of being on edge, something that is used to extreme effect in Andy Goodman's Call of Cthulhu Actual Play, a podcast uh, I do recommend for its entertainment value. At the table, a referee is more apt to create player revulsion, defined as players pulling away from each other, pulling away from the situation, 
thereby creating a horrific atmosphere by tying into psychological aversions rather than physical. Listening back to this pontification, does my example represent classic revulsion? I don't know. I would argue that it does, that it does reference a sense of revulsion in the sense that the game master was pushing the party in a direction that they did not want to go, that they did not intend to go, and as such, we were repulsed from the direction the adventure was taking. But that likewise ties into the concept of helplessness, where the fear response, where scaring your players comes in. That production of risk of loss and the ineluctability of its aversion. Let me know what you think. So the audio on that last bit was a little rough. I did my best to clean it up in spideacity, but it is what it is, and I hope the content in it can overcome some of those recording challenges. From here, I am recording out of the house. You may hear some uulation in the background from my twins, but they are just excited because I have some other call-ins I wanted to get to. So, from here, take it away, callers. Hey, Taylor, this is BJ from the Arcane Alienist. I'm just listening to your latest episode on horror in, in role-playing games. And I can almost guarantee you the motorcycle that nearly clipped into you uh, as you were driving down the road was Jason Connerly, and I think you should call his podcast and lodge a formal complaint. <laughs> now, this was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Huh. Suddenly it makes sense as to why he had a top rocker that said, Riders of Lemuria, and why I'm pretty sure as he drove by I heard him shout, Saved versus Honda's Anyway, thank you, BJ, for the encouragement. I'm really glad you're enjoying it, and I really hope that I can keep it up. Been listening to you, too. Uh, I wanted to say I had some thoughts on the orcs and the masks, but I ended up getting too sheepish to call in because those other callers' ideas were just so much better than the ones I'd come up with. Keep on recording, my man. I download them when your episodes drop. Hey, what's up, Taylor? It's Joe. Uh, your show just started showing up on iTunes, so I finally got a chance to listen to it. Awesome stuff. Just listen to your latest call-in episode. I totally have that Chessex uh, reversible battle mat, and I can't wait to bust it out again. I miss it. <laughs> I love it so much. I, I see it right now. It's rolled up, uh, rolled up, sitting in the corner, just waiting. Waiting to be busted out again, man. Anyway, great stuff. Take it easy. Peace out. Yep. I'm peeking over at my battle mat, too. Rolled up, propped against the wall, waiting for me to pick it back up again ever since I had rolled it out for the call-in episode. One day, maybe longer for me, uh, based on a couple factors going on, but it'll come out one day, one of these days. Delve on, my man, and keep on gaming. Thank you for the encouragement and for the call-ins. Apparently, Anchor ate one of my calls, call-ins to you, but I'm very sad I wasn't your first caller. But I'll get over it. Excellent um, call-in response episode. I'm looking forward to your second episode. Keep up the great work. And it has dropped. 
I hope it lives up to uh, what you were expecting. Thank you for calling in that second time to get the message out. And on the subject of calling in, it's all right. Uh, you may not have been my first, but you are definitely my most prolific. So with quantity comes affections, I'm told, uh, or at least that's the way it has worked for me and my craft beer habit. Good to hear from you, Jason. Thank you for calling in and thank you for listening. And that just about wraps up this episode. I did not cover all four pillars. We have that one remaining. That is loathing. And also, I apparently have said his name into a mirror sufficient number of times that I received a handful of calls in from the master himself, Andy Goodman of Grizzly Peaks Radio. So, in the spirit of leaving on a cliffhanger and saving the best for last, I'm going to go ahead and save the best for next. Look forward to that next episode where we're going to talk a little bit about loathing and I address the questions, comments, and expertise as offered by good old Andy. So I will let the music carry us out. And as always, listeners, never forget, delve on. Music used for the Clerics Wearing Mail podcast is adapted from Pursuing Darkness by artist X Take Rocks, released into the public domain and made available on freemusicarchive.org. Sound effects used in the making of this product retrieved from mixkit.co, used under the Mixkit sound effects free license, or from soundj.com and used in accordance with the soundj.com terms of use. Segments recorded within a vehicle are recorded using a Bluetooth hands-free device in conjunction with local vehicular safety legislation. The Clerics Wearing Mail podcast is an independently owned and operated product released for educational and informative purposes under the Totally Steal This license, which is kind of like Creative Commons except for licensing. Clerics Wearing Mail does not ascribe to nor endorse views or opinions expressed by call-ins, guests, or even the host unless you think they're awesome, and thus does not assume any liability regarding the consumption or distribution of this podcast. By listening to the Clerics Wearing Mail podcast, you agree to the provided term parties with questions regarding these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to reach out to Clerics Wearing Mail at the prescribed methods provided on the Clerics Wearing Mail blog. Parties dissatisfied with these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to go suck an egg.